Barukata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Alam, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us, commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouths and in the mouths of your people, the house of Israel. May we and our offsprings and our offsprings' offsprings and the offsprings of the people of the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah in all for its own sake. Barukatah Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people Israel. When I was uh, commanded, asked <laughs> to uh, be in this in this location for this time that Rabbi and Rebetzin are uh, enjoying uh, making Aliyah into the land, and as we prayed this morning that they make sure that they come back this direction, okay? <laughs> I was, uh, he gave us, uh, gave me the, um, the uh, scripture, and of course it was going to be on Be'ashit, uh, uh, Genesis, and as we, as you know, we're going through the book of Genesis all this year, and I had the idea of what I was going to do then, as soon as he wrote down the scripture and gave it to me. And many, 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 many different times. The scripture stayed the same. The title almost stayed the same. But where I was going, it was all over the board. And I needed help. And the help I needed was I knew the scripture. I understood the Torah. But I wanted to understand what was to be said at this moment. Because it's said by our sages, our sages, that when you study Torah, you study Torah at an opportune time, at a pronounced moment. And at that moment, you receive revelation that will not come if you studied that same Torah someplace else or some other time. So I wanted to understand exactly what I was supposed to say today. And I thought I had everything mapped out. And last night when I went to bed at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> no, it was a little earlier than that. and. Uh, I, um, I, I, I knew where I was going. All the time that I was going, I knew that there was something in my madot, something in me that was saying about mitzvah. And I didn't know what it was. And so now I do, because this morning, just as I was arising, 
just as I want and just as uh, the words uh, Adonai Modeani came out, I knew what I was supposed to say. So, Parashit 18, if I'm using the, uh, the Hamash, the Ark Scroll Hamash, I started to uh, use the Kiyot as was used last week, but <laughs> I thought I'd bring it down from the Ferrari speed <laughs> and uh, come here. I also want to thank my Zagan because uh, he's always praying for me. He's always davening, so the davening. Hashem appeared to him in the plains of memory. Now, remember plains of memory because there will be homework. while he was sitting at the entrance of the tent in the heat of the day he lifted his eyes and saw and behold three men were standing over him he perceived so he ran toward them from the entrance of the tent and bowed toward the ground and he said my lord if i find favor in your eyes now please pass not away from your servant let some water be brought and wash your feet and recline beneath the tree. I will fetch a morsel of bread that, may, uh, that you may sustain yourselves. Then go on. Inasmuch as you have passed your servant's way, they said, do so just as you have said. So Avraham, Avraham hastened to the tent, uh, to Sarah's tent and said, hurry. Uh, pardon me, hurry, uh, three seahs of meal, fine flour, knead and make cakes. Then Avram ran to the cattle, took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the youth who hurried to prepare it. He took cream and milk and, and uh, the calf which was prepared and placed these before him. He stood over them beneath the tree and they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will surely return at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind them. And now Avram and Sarah were old, well in years. The manner of women had ceased to be with Sarah. And Sarah laughed at herself, saying, After I have withered, shall I again have delicate skin? 
and my husband is old. Mm. I know she was praying for her husband too. Then Avram said, and Hashem said to Avram, why is, that, why is it that Sarah laughed, saying, shall I trust, shall, uh, shall, I, shall I in truth bear a child, though I am aged? Is anything beyond Hashem? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. For she was frightened, but she said, but he said, No, you laughed indeed. So the men got up from there, and they gazed down toward Sodom, where uh, Avram, Avram uh, walked with them to escort them. And Hashem said, Shall I conceal from Avram what I do? Now that Avram is surely to become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall bless themselves by him. For I loved him because he commanded his children and his household after him that they keep the way of Adonai doing charity and justice. Remember that. In order that Hashem might bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. So Hashem said, because the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah has become great, and because their sin has been very grave, I will descend and see. If they act in accordance with the outcry which has come to me, then destruction. And if not, I will know. The men turned from there and went to Sodom. While Avram was still standing before Hashem, Avram came forward and said, will, um, will you also stamp out the righteous along with the wicked? What if there should be 50 righteous people in the midst of the city? Would you still stamp it out rather than spare for the sake of the 50 righteous people within it? It would be a sacrilege to you to do such a thing, to bring death upon righteous upon the righteous along with the wicked. So the righteous will be like the wicked. It would be a sacrilege to you. Shall the judge of all the earth not do justice? And Hashem said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous people in the midst of the city, then I should, uh, should spare the entire place of their, um, on their account. Abraham responded and said, Behold, I desire to speak to my Lord, although I am but dust and ash. What if the 50 righteous people should lack five? Would you destroy the entire city because of five? And, and he said, I will not destroy if I find their 45. He further continued to speak to him, and he said, what if 40 
would be found there. And he said, what? I will not act on the account of 40. 30? And he said, let not my Lord be angered and I will speak. What if 30 would be found there? And he said, I will not act if I find 30. So he said, behold, I desire to speak to you, my Lord. What if 20 would be found there? And he said, I will not destroy on account of 20. This is going good. So he said, let not my Lord be angered and I will speak but once. Again. <laughs> what if 10 were found there? And he said, I will not destroy on the count of 10. Hashem got out of there. Hashem part departed <laughs> when he had finished speaking to Avraham, and Avraham returned to his place. <laughs> so ends the reading of the parasha of Vayekhara. Now, in order to go just a bit further, I'm going to go back a little bit to Lehekra. Uh, and um, just to build a case for this. Hashem then spoke to Avraham and Sarah. In the past, your wife was called Sarai, my princess, denoting that she was a princess in your house. But in the future... Her name will be called Sarah because she is now a princess for the entire world. So we're going to be spending time, guess where? In the Midrash, a little bit of dipping into the Tammud, and some into, I'm not going to do what he did, get down there. I'm going to reach down and get the book. <laughs> and the book will come up this way, okay? <laughs> And um, this book, exactly. Now, the interesting thing about this, when Hashem removed the letter Yud from the end of Sarah's name, that one letter flew up to heaven uh, to before uh, Hashem's throne to complain. Just because I am the smallest letter, it argued, is it fair that you should move me from the name of Sarah, the righteous woman? Hashem comforted the Yud. In the past, you were the last letter of a woman's name. In the future, I will put you at the head of a man's name. This will happen when Moshe will rename his student, Hashua, to Joshua. And you can read about that in Bimar 13. One of the ten spies that Moshe sent to spy out the land. 
You know the rest of the story. Hashem promised Avraham that Sarah would regain her youthfulness and would bear him a son. Avraham fell on his face and laughed in joy at the miracle that they, had, that they would have a son in their old age. I am unworthy of such reward, said Avraham. Would that Yishmael, uh, my son, should live to fear you. Because he's wanting him also to understand and learn mitzvah. Hashem departed from Abraham, who went to consult his students. Remember these three names, Anarit, Eshkol, and Mamri, about the commandment of the bris that he was about to go through, or the bris malah, or circumcision. Abraham was not sure whether to perform that bris in private or in public, so he sought the advice and the recommendation of these three individuals. Now, Anwarit, or Anwarit answered, you must circumcise yourself secretly or else the relatives of those kings whom you slew will hear of it and come to attack you because they know about circumcision too and they know what happens after circumcision, you're weak. Okay. Eshko advised, do not circumcise yourself at all. It is a dangerous operation in one's old age. And you might lose so much blood that it will prove fatal. Avram listened to neither one of them and asked Mamre for his opinion. Mamari stated, Hashem saved you miraculously, saved you from the fiery furnace, answered Marari, uh, Mamari. He saved you from the kings in a supernatural manner. Why do you hesitate to perform the bris in public to acknowledge the goodness of an almighty God? Now, because of this, Mamari was award, rewarded. I like what Rabbi says at the beginning of the Aliyah. He says, to you on the fruited plains. <laughs> now, that fruited plains does not indicate or infer or imply that that's a desert. But I remember reading this scripture or hearing this scripture and the way that it's taught that uh, uh, it was so hot out there that it was kind of, you know, uh, he had his tent in a desert. And that's not the way it was. And we have to also understand that the elapsing of time, and this is why it's so important to study our sources, because if you read just one source, it looks like today... He set his tent. The next day, he had visitors. Well, to build Hotel Avram <laughs> did not take one day. Okay? Now, even though he was in the process, he always had the desire to bless others. Even while this was being built, 
he was still in the mode of hospitality because it was innate in him. At three years old, Avram was in a cave and he knew that there was something wrong. He knew what he knew to ask certain questions. And those questions of who made this cave? Who made air? Who made the stars? Who did? Who did? Who did? Who did? Who did? He needed answers. And Hashem gave him those answers. Now, because of that, Hashem rewarded Mamre for his words by later appearing, later appearing to Avraham at Mamre's property. And the plains of Mamre, not the desert of Mamre. Okay? Abraham circumcised himself in broad daylight. On the day, on the same day also, he circumcised his household. 318 men, not counting his slaves. His righteous students, Anarat, Eshkol, and Mamari, were among those who were circumcised. Remember that, Talmudine? <laughs> Avraham's son Ishmael was 13 years old, and even so, at 13, Avraham circumcised him, and he did it without objection. As a result, Ishmael, of Ishmael, Ishmael allowing his father to circumcise him, even though he was already 13 years of age, his descendants rose to great, to be great, and powerful heights of history. Now, I read that because I wanted to actually lead into, or actually uh, just kind of preface, continuing going into Bayaria uh, with Yochanan 15. I was, this is where I wasn't planned to, planning to go here, but this morning I got planned to go here. <laughs> so, Yochanan 15, John chapter 15. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he trims so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, Torah. Abide in me and I will abide in you. The branch cannot itself produce fruit unless it abides on the vine. Likewise, you cannot produce fruit unless you abide in me and me is Torah. Just as the Father, and verse 9, 
just as the Father has loved me, I also love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my mitzvah, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in love. So how do you abide in love? Keep his commandments is the definition. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be with you, be in you, and your joy may be full. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom. Then I thought I was finished. And First uh, Yochanan 2 showed up. So First John chapter 2. Now we know that we have come to know him by this. If we keep his mitzvot, if we keep his commandments, the one who says, I come to know him and does not keep his mitzvot is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever, whoever keeps his word, Torah, is in him. The love of God is truly made perfect. We know that we are in him by this. Whoever claims to abide in him must walk just as he walked. This was the writer talking about Yeshua what he did. Yeshua was an observant Jew in every respect. So, love and obey with all your heart. Then I was continuing to think and I went to Devarim 11, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Therefore, you are to love Adonai your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his ordinances, and his mitzvot at all times. And you should know this day that it was not your children who knew and saw the, dis uh, the discipline of Adonai your God, his greatness, his mighty hand and his outstretched arm, his signs and the deeds he did in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, of Egypt and in his land. Verse 8, therefore, you are to keep the whole mitzvah that I am commanding you today so that you may be strong and go in and possess the land that you are crossing over to possess. And so that you may prolong your days on the land that Adonai swore to give you to your fathers and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. All of this means only one thing. 
Loving God means obedience. Remember your homework. That's one of them. Abraham, when he was told to move, basically was going south. He was always going south. And it seems, and each time that Hashem blessed him with a word or a prophecy, he would stop, fall to the ground, and bless Hashem. If Hashem would have said, the moon is going to change, uh, Avram would fall to the ground and bless the Lord. So if you are really wanting to understand how to pray, follow that example. Whatever Hashem has called you to do, before you open your mouth, we will do, we will hear. We will bless the Lord. We will not open our mouth. We will do. We will do what his word says. And then we'll, we'll talk. One of the things, uh, as I had mentioned in Yochanan uh, 15, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, my mitzvot, you will abide in my love, just as I keep my father's commandments and abide in his love. This scripture is very important to me because of uh, certain things that have occurred in my life. And it's, um, uh, it's one of the most mistaught scriptures out there also. Because we refuse to believe that the commandments are for today. We refuse to. Not that they can't be it's just, we've just out and out refused. And that is unfortunate. Because we are in asking Hashem for this, asking Hashem for that. But I want this, Hashem, but I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. So you need to fix that. And that's the way we talk to Baruch It's a sin. So... Keep this word in your heart. Let it always be with you. If you, keep, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. In my love is keeping my commandments, keeping my mitzvah. Homework. Get a mitzvah that you have done, one that you haven't done. Work on it. Work on it. Work on it. Work on it. In my class, in the, uh, one of the classes, we talk about that. Now, when um, Hashem was speaking to Avram, Avraham, the Shachanah was there at the, um, the entrance of the tent. The three men hadn't shown up yet, but Hashem was there speaking to Abraham. Now, it doesn't say what he was saying, but it does say that he was there. And so, um, 
when the men who were actually three angels came. Uh, basically, Hashem didn't come to give a word to, uh, to Abraham. He came to perform the first Birkut Hamlin, Hashemlin, which was visiting the sick. That's what he was doing. Before circumcision, after circumcision. There's a difference. Before circumcision, he went to the ground. After circumcision, you stay seated, Abraham, I'll stand. Hashem honors obedience to his Torah. That's why if you're going to say that I love the Lord and you're going to say I spit on your commandments, you are a liar. An interesting aside from this is that the Talmud in Berkot uh, 12b states that one who is able to pray for the sick and does not is called a sinner. Now these are some hard things to say, but sometimes we just need to just get, you know, knocked out of our comfort shell and just go do it. Just go do it. Hashem honors circumcision. Um, our drosh today is filled or full of what I call or what's known as practical Torah. And that's Torah that is fully out there to be touched. In this parashat, you can, there are mitzvot that you can actually do. You can actually reach out and do that. We have people who are ill in our, in our mishpachah right now. We have the ability to reach out and touch. Not just sending prayers, but touching, physically touching. I uh, shared with one of our mishpachah that uh, was out ill, but he didn't let anybody know. I'm not going to say who that is, or was. <laughs> and <laughs> so... When uh, he was gone for a couple of weeks and didn't see him, then saw him and said, what happened? He said, well, I told someone. I said, well, but what about the minion? What about your brothers? And, okay. So he got spanked with a wet noodle and told him <laughs> to, go on to go on his way and say, don't let, don't let that happen again. Okay. <laughs> so doing mitzvah visiting the sick, and you're not saying anything, you're taking away the opportunity for your mishpukah to perform mitzvah. And even that's a sin. So, uh, okay. I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to go here, but I, I am, okay. Torah is functional and out there uh, and basically uh, causing our character trait. We have these things called medot, our character traits. 
What is actually building our character traits right now? What is actually causing us uh, our musar? What, what's, what's, what is musar all about? What is it for? Okay? I mean, we have our own Musar classes. We began with a Musar class that was here, and, and now we're online with a Musar class. And uh, what is that all about? Now, Avraham went through Musar all during his journey uh, coming into the land of Canaan. He went through Musar, and it was something that was inside of him just like it's in all of us. Why? Because we're still here. There is a reason why we sit here at Sar Shalom, whether it's Sar Shalom here and uh, uh, where are we? We're not in Tulsa. We're in Saginaw. <laughs> and, the, and Tulsa and all of the other Lapid houses. Why are we here? Because there is something inside of us that spark that's on the inside of us is the same spark that was, on, that was in Abraham at three years old. And that's what we're intending and uh, wanting to learn more about is that spark. Because all of the sparks together make up this lapid. And this is where we want to be. So, causing our character trait, midot, to be more effective than affective. Now, for the good and above all, for the sake of heaven. These two terms of, of uh, psychology dominate uh, the mitzvot daily during, uh, uh, performed by Avraham. What's the difference between the two? The difference between effective, affective. So effective and affective. Effective, with an E, describes something that produces a desired result. It means results. So what do we do to get results? Affective describes something that has been influenced by emotion. It is a result of emotion or expressing emotion. Now, we want our medot, we want our character traits to be affective, not, pardon me, effective, not affective. Affectiveness is something that we want, yes, but not instead of or higher than or more than an effectiveness. Avraham, as he traveled, there was a fragrance about Avraham that drew individuals to him. And that fragrance came from that midot. That came from his ability to not even open his mouth, but because of the fragrance of who he was, what he was, when he did it, and how he spent his time loving Torah that wasn't given yet. So think about that. Okay? And where did it come from? That was spent all of that time, if you are in me, if you abide in me, and you love me, you will keep my commandments. He was given commandments. He was, he knew, he was given, everything, everything that our 
patriarchs did was a foreshadow on what was going to happen to Israel, the descendants of Abraham. Everything. That's why when he came to certain places, he stopped and it says, the Torah says that, or the, Mish, the Midrash states that um, he perceived that this was going to be the place where they were going to worship. Or he, he perceived that this is a place where they were going to do the golden calf. He perceived that this. And so each one of those perceptive places, those, uh, those places where he, where he received that, he stopped and davened for people that were not even born yet. So what can we do for those in our lives who are not even born yet? Our sons, grandsons, great-grandsons and daughters. Okay? So remember the, the difference between those two words. The soul of man includes seven basic attributes, among them, uh, well, includes seven different act, uh, attributes. Hesed, love and kindness. Gevra, vigor and discipline. Um, Deferet, beauty, harmony, and compassion. Netzach, victory, endurance, and determination. Had, humility and devotion. Yesod, foundation, bonding, connection. Malshut, majesty and dignity. As you remember, Hashem commanded Aram to leave his father's house. Hashem's strategy is so profound here. Because Avram's level of Amuna, as I said before, caused him to radiate that fragrance. His level of trust in Torah that wasn't even given yet. So where did he give it? It came from his indulgence and his acknowledgement of the one true God. I spend a great deal of time praying, davening. That's not doing this, that's just saying, I need it. I deal with people every day. And I've had a saying on my wall that if you could work with people without working with humans, everything would be fine. <laughs> that's not the way it works. Okay? I, I remember I was speaking with someone yesterday, and, and um, I asked her, what, um, what is what profession does her son want to be? And she said, he wants to be a doctor. But he doesn't want to touch anybody. Okay? So, we're going to have to figure that one out. Okay? Because everything is relative, and it all depends on whose relatives. Okay? So, if our relatives are not Torah-based, then we're going to be off keel. We're going to be off direction. And those different attributes, those attributes are uh, attributes that we need to strive to be at moment by moment, daily by day. Uh, as I said, I spend a lot of time praying, not on my knees, so to speak. Uh, of course, I'm praying uh, three times a day, but at the same time, in between there, 
Because if I'm working on a computer, if I'm working on a server, if I'm doing whatever, whatever, basically, I pray first. Everything I do, I'm praying. Uh, uh, on the train, I'm praying. Uh, and it's not just, you don't have to spend the time that has been taught about prayer if you understand how Avram prayed. If you abide in me, if you keep my mitzvah, I will abide in you. And because I, I abide in you, your prayers are not trying to reach the ceiling. Your prayers are there, already at the throne. So please understand that. Homework number three. Rashi states... Avraham possessed a selfless love of his fellow man and demonstrated it by daring intervention on behalf of the five sinful cities of Sodom. Avraham petitioned God on their behalf using the strongest terms to demand of God that he spare these cities for the sake of a few righteous individuals that they might uh, contain. It behooves you not to do such a thing, he challenged. Shall the judge of the universe not act justly? Abraham was prepared to incur the wrath upon himself for the sake of the most corrupt sinners, giving precedent or precedence to their physical lives over his own spiritual integrity. Where are we in that? Now, that's not a where are you. That's a where are we. Because I'm speaking to Zagan. You guys can just listen if you want to. Okay? Prayer, avodah, is key to understanding where Avraham was and what Avraham did. Because the people sensed that he had their good, Avraham had their good and only their good in heart, at, in, in his heart, they responded. I think the common phrase right now is people don't know how much you know until they know how much you care or something like that. Well, that's a Jewish way of thinking way back there in Right here, okay? When Avraham and Sarah left Haran for the Holy Land, they were joined by the souls which they had made in Haran. The community of men and women, the community, the mishpoka, okay, of men and women who had rallied to their side. 65 years later, Avraham was able to say to his servant Eliezer, when God summoned me from the house of my father, he was God of the heavens, but not of the earth. 
the inhabitants of the earth did not recognize him, and his name was not referred to in the land. The kings enjoyed this. They thrived on that. But now, I have made his name familiar in the, mouth, in the mouths of his creatures. He is God in both heaven and earth. And that's Rashi. The Midrash says, Hashem chose to be called. Hashem chose to be called. Elekra Avram. Elekra Yitzhak. And Elekra Yaakov. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. The God of Jacob. That came because Hashem chose to be called that. Why? Because his protege, his person, Avraham, was in such a state that he abided in him, and he and Avraham abided in him, and Hashem abided in him. A question, and this is where we got, uh, I said to remember this. Is memory, um, memory, the plains of memory, is it a name or is it a person? The answer, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> and it's key to understand this because of obedience. It is a place, and yet it is a man, and that place is named after that man. What place is named after you? What do you do, what do we do on a daily basis? Because it's all about what we do every day. Why do we pray three times a day? Why do we have Shakarit, Maharib? And what's the other one? Um, Minka? Not in that order. <laughs> but <laughs> why do we do that? Because we as human beings, ladies and gentlemen, do one thing very well. We leak. Like a sieve, we leak. So on a day-to-day -day basis, we are praying. We are davening every day, every day. We are practicing. You, you should be every day taking inventory. Baal Shavu Shuva is where we should be all the time, constantly making Shuva, constantly, not looking at someone else and what they're doing, but what am I doing based on Torah? And this is what kept Abraham on track. Now, when I'm traveling in the mornings on the train, I'm not concerned with that train going this way or this way or this way or this way. It's on a track. It's going to come right to that train station. It's going to go to the next train station and the next one and the next one. It's not going to go to a train station over there unless I'm on a train that's over there that's going to that train station. I'm on the, tra I'm on the track of Torah and recommending that all of us be there on a day-to-day -day basis, 
make sure, and this is what the homework is for, is to make sure that we are all on the same page. You know, we jokingly say that, uh, uh, Rabbi, you better come back, okay? <laughs> and yet, uh, when I was in Israel, I was, I was so elated with the people. I, was, I, was just, I just didn't want to come back. No. And I, I wanted to know more, but I didn't want to know what that guide was saying. I wanted to know more of not just taking me to the, you know, just the places, but I wanted to know more of my Jewishness. Not just what this site did, what this site did, why this church was there, what, no, no church, no church, no church, no church. Synagogues. Synagogue, 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 synagogue. And that's where I want to stay. I made that decision. I continue to live in that decision. And that's where I live. Okay? The Midrash also says that Avraham turned down all the riches from the king of Sodom and just asked for his kinsmen and the three men who would become his Tamadim. And that one man who gave him that information or advice on circumcision, on Brismalah, was the one that he rescued. The keyote, Genesis 12, Hasidic insight. Avram's love for God was so tangible that its uh, intensity inspired others to abandon their idolatrous lifestyles and serve the one true God. Like a large flame that attracts smaller sparks. Sound familiar? Avram's fiery love for God attracted and awakened the sparks, and here, here's the important part that I really enjoyed about this, awakened the sparks of godly uh, uh, devo devotion, uh, awakened the sparks of godly devotion that were dormant, in the peoples of the land he passed through. It didn't say that he had to put it in there. It says it was in there and it was dormant. Because remember, who did the land belong to at first? The land belonged to Shem. And it was being taken. Now, Hashem promised to Avraham that it would be given back to Shem. And how is that going to be? By divine sparks. Ms. Bukhah, this is what we're about. Lapid. Sparks. This is where we want to go. We're not going anyplace else. You notice we have a parking lot. The reason we do <laughs> is because we 
want sparks. And we want them to drive smoothly. Not that we had to use the first ark to go out before them and raise the valleys and lower the mountains. (laughs) We didn't have any scorpions and snakes. (laughs) But we are now level. Lapid, each of us with a love of Torah so ingrained that it's obvious who Mashiach is. Yeshua. Now, here's the conclusion. (laughs) Don't clap. (laughs) Avram, Avraham was so eager to fulfill the mitzvah of hospitality that he did not stop. And this is from the Midrash. That he did not stop running from the moment he had received the guest until the time they were fully cared for. After having run out to meet them and having hurried to, hurry, hurried to Sarah's tent, he now ran to get three calves. How many men were there? Three. Okay. This, this is neat. It's going to make you want to do homework. One of the calves, which Avram, Avraham wanted to slaughter, fled, and Avraham followed it. The calf drew him all the way into Shevron, into Hebron, and disappeared into a cave. Avraham entered that cave and was overwhelmed by the sweet smell of Gangadin that filled the air. He saw a light shining and had a vision that Avram, pardon me, that uh, Adam and Javier were buried there. After this incident, Avraham sought possession of this cave. We know it as the cave of Machpelah, a burial place for our patriarchs. We pray at least three times a day. Tie me to a mitzvah. Tie me to it. Make it so pronounced that in my marriage, in my work, wherever I am, whenever I'm doing, whether I'm pumping gas, whether I'm riding, no matter what, tie me to a mitzvah. Homework, today and every day, perceive the mitzvah Hashem has tied you to and just do it. No, I don't use their product. <laughs> and we say, Baruch Abba, Adonai. <laughs>